Can you smell it? Halloween is just around the corner. And to celebrate tonight, I've pulled together the Paranormal 60 News crew to share the best in stories from around the world and your emails on this Scary Tales and Emails edition of the best in Paranormal Talk Radio. This is the Paranormal 60 News with Dave Schrader. my little darklings guess who's back it's me i'm back dave schrader you don't have to guess too hard i really don't like playing guessing games as it is hey thank you very much for tuning in and spending some time with me before we get started i've got to say thank you to a couple of amazing followers and listeners first off i want to make mention of this boho and balance angela wainwright made me this beautiful bolo tie uh, absolutely gorgeous, beautiful piece. I love it. I've worn it to a couple of different functions now. Thank you so much, Angela Wainwright. And uh, she is again with Boho and Balance. You can find that Boho and Balance.etsy.com for all of her cool stuff. And then I got this beautiful bracelet in the mail. And this comes from Peace, Love, and Reiki by Melanie. That's Peace, Love, and Reiki by Melanie. And Melanie made me this gorgeous uh, protection bracelet. And I want to thank you very much for that. So I just wanted to take a few moments to uh, appreciate the listeners who send in these little gifts. You don't have to, but it is so sweet when you do. Uh, let's get to it. We've got some news to share. We got a lot of catching up to do. We haven't done a live news show since October 5th. Hard to believe, but it's true. Ladies and gentlemen, as soon as I go to talk about Greg Lawson, immediately the ability to speak goes out the window. Apparently, I'm channeling him before he even gets here. The paranormal detective is in the house. Hello, Greg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's have many a drink on that. I've got a little, I'm rocking a little already. rum. I've oh, got yeah. a little rum going tonight. What'd you Some do? Uh, yeah. shrunken head rum. Oh, that's good stuff, man. Mm. I'm I'm doing uh 1835 bourbon uh it's much better with coke did you did you take that from the Folsom house how did you get that yeah I think I think Eric gave it to me very nice and ladies and gentlemen the colonel also in the house for this pre-Halloween show Martin Viaz hey Marty cheers cheers to both of you thank you for having me this always beautiful Friday I will tell you guys I've I've spent a lot of time traveling I was out in uh, Scotland, as you know. I came home for a few days. Yeah. Then I was off to Ireland, uh, Butte, G- uh, Kentucky. And I've got to tell you, I met so many people. Marty, I don't know if we're doing a show over here. I don't know if you want to stay wow. in frame. <laughs> He's just yeah. so thirsty. He's got to lean off to just chug. Yeah. Uh, but I met some amazing people all around the world, literally, that that listen to the show and absolutely love my Paranormal 60 News crew. <laughs> so I wanted to share that with you. 
We love I them. thought that was sweet. Yeah, it was so, so cool. And there were places I would go. I, when I landed in Ireland, and I'm standing there with our, our bus driver, Eddie, who you guys should have been there. You would have loved this Ireland trip. Amazing trip. Our bus driver, Eddie, great guy, kind of a, a spiritual guru for all of us on this, on this uh, trip. But as we're standing there at the airport waiting for others to come, some people recognized me and came over to say hi and that they love the show and that they listen and watch uh, Ghost of the Devil's Perch, Holzer Files, and the Paranormal 60. And their favorite night is Friday night with the Supernatural Friday. News Crew. Oh, man, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, that how is sweet. Awesome. Yeah, I love when we get some nice feedback. It's always good to, to hear from the people that uh, we're talking to and talking about. I have a video I wish I could play. I showed it to Greg off air. I don't want to embarrass the teenage girl. Um, I, I had a chance when I was in Kentucky to um, meet so many people. And, and as I want to do, sometimes people will come up and say, oh, you know, my my mom or my dad or my daughter is a big fan and they couldn't make it. They were really bummed out. So I usually say, pull out your camera. Let's give them a little video and say hi. And uh, they did that. And uh, then they did a reaction video of her getting my message. And it was absolutely sweet. So so adorable i won't play it because she is a teenage girl and i'm sure she would be humiliated and embarrassed uh but she was so gushing and sweet and uh it truly made my my entire year seeing the the reaction of uh you know of, of a young girl so interested in what we do that she was touched by me reaching out and and uh wishing her cool. the best so yeah very awesome. cool Awesome. Uh, I was also showing you guys some of the cool gifty items that I got. Guess what? It's Ghosttober as we're coming into the end of it here. And I got this little four pack of beers. Check this out. This is from um, Travel Channel. I have the Haunted Castle Pilsner from Silver Branch Brewing Company. They also sent me mm. Nine Lives Wheat Beer. Wheat, wheat beer. beer. Can you see that? Mm. Yeah, wheat beer. White. Um, wait, then wait. over here we have Dr. Frankenjuice, an IPA. Yeah. Oh, you got yeah. like that. And uh, what is our other one? Fear the Unknown. <laughs> so very cool. So I've got Dave? this little four pack of, uh, of specialty beers, and uh, I'm going to crack those open on Halloween and have a little fun drinking and enjoying things. Oh, I, let me mention real quickly. Uh, Halloween, very exciting, very, very exciting, folks. We have a good friend joining us. I'm going to be doing a special show. Whoa. It is our scary story time with Neil's story. See, that's why it's misspelled, oh, yeah. so don't send me an email that Dave doesn't know how to spell story. I do, Neil's story. He's going to join us, and we've got some cool, creepy tales to share, so we're going to awesome. be doing that. He's awesome. Speaking of, I got a bunch of emails tonight uh but before we get started in emails and news stories i would like to uh share a, a video with you guys while i was out in ireland we had a chance to go to a abby leaks and uh, we were talking with this um curator this young woman who was walking us around showing us the history of this of this land and uh she was very easily cajoled into telling us some ghost stories and she told me too and she was willing to let me videotape it so i could share it with you guys and with our audience so without further ado Let's hear an Irish couple of ghost stories. Yeah. All right, we're uh, we're we're in in Ireland right now, and we are in Abbey Leaks, right? And we are about to hear a ghost story from our host while we were here at the museum. This is uh, Ruby. Ruby, now you just told us a pretty cool ghost story about when you were about twelve years old. Yes. All right, so walk us through this again, would you? So I was finished school around three p.m. My cousin, he always came to collect me after school. He was about 18, 19. 
So he took me, we were walking through the village as I was walking home, and my neighbour, Miss O'Connor, she was dressed in what she normally wore, her like grey coat, and she was on her walk. And we stopped and we talked to her, and she turned to us and she said, the weather is really great today. And she talked about how it was cold and winter was coming. And then she said, as she was leaving, tell your grandfather I said hi, and she walked on. So we continued to walk, and then me and my cousin turned to each other and we realised that Miss O'Connor was dead, and she had been dead for five years. So we went home and we said it to my granddad, and he said, it's Miss O'Connor's anniversary right now. She's, yeah, she's five years dead. So 3 p.m. in the middle of the day. So you saw full-formed apparition. Yeah, what she usually used to wear, walked on. Very cool. Like this close, this close, yeah, to each other. And, I mean, now that you look back at it, and your cousin, 19 years old at that time, does he remember this that yes. vividly as well? still remembers it. Because we visited her grave as well, and we saw the date. It was five years to our anniversary, yeah. All right, so tell our viewers and listeners, what building are we in right now? Abelique's Heritage House. Okay, and you've got you've got a famous uh, ghost of, of a soldier that's been witnessed here. Soldier, yes. And would you mind telling me the, the teacup story again? <laughs> So uh, I only started here a little while ago, and I was making tea one morning, and my cup was empty, and I put my tea bag in it, put the kettle on, filled it up, stirred it with a spoon, drank my cup of tea, and when I reached the end, there was an old key at the bottom of it, um, which couldn't have, I don't know how it got in there, couldn't have been in there, um, yeah, just a really, really old key, and then I heard that there was a soldier shot here about 100 years ago. And he was shot outside, and his body was dragged in here to help him. But he died, and he used to carry keys. So, very freaky. So you're very popular with the ghosts? I must be. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Ruby. Ruby was awesome. She was so sweet. And when she told those stories, I'm like, why wasn't I rolling on that? And I said, Ruby, I've got a podcast. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. I'm TV's Dave Schrader. She said, and you who? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, never, haven't heard of you. So I said, um, would you mind wow. telling us that story again? And I got, I wanted her to tell the grandfather and, and the grandfather's friend ghost story. And then I remembered the other one, the key story. I'm like, oh, I got it. Well, I got her. That's why she looked a little surprised when I went for the second, uh, second story. But that was great. An ancient key appears in the bottom oh. of her cup. And she was like, I, I know it was empty. I took the, the coffee cup down. I put the sugar in. I poured the tea in, put the bag in stirred it up you would have heard the clink 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 right very cool we've got more to share kittler's bar where we uh, talked to the owner and he shared an interesting story so we'll we'll cover that in a little bit but speaking of interesting stories um yeah like this uh, molino says ruby's a spook magnet she sure <laughs> does yeah um we've got some uh, news to get to so i want to get to it now greg yes you have the con do i Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's some strange connections between COVID-19 lockdowns and UFO sightings. I don't know if y'all have put that together or not. What? Mm. Oh, yeah. The COVID-19 pandemic changed just about every aspect of our lives. Uh, you can imagine these changes led to some pretty large repercussions, including many that experts um, hadn't really anticipated. So, in other words, pretty much everything on the planet was affected by COVID-19. But what about the things that are off planet? You might think that, uh, if nothing else, space and its inhabitants should have remained unchanged by COVID-19. But that's not the case. According to data from the uh, New York Times, it actually appears that not 
not at all the case. The UFO sightings saw significant surges in 2020, uh, even doubling in some regions. Uh, the differences in UFO sightings were pointed out by the New York Times. By uh, pulling data from the National UFO Reporting Center, they found that UFO sightings had doubled in New York City between 19, or correction, 2019 and 2020. Uh, looking at the whole country, the numbers were lower, but still showed an increase in sightings uh, by around 16%, according to CNET. Uh, that means we have uh, to dig deeper uh, for an explanation of what's really going on. It's hard to say for sure what could be causing the increase in UFO sightings. Uh, there are a couple the, of different. What's an increase? An, an increase? Yeah, an, an increase in, in sightings. Jesus, really? Have a sip. Have a sip. Uh, if you don't well, know I, the show by now, folks, if if one of our our uh, news God. colleagues increased. happen to stumble upon a word, uh, we a, all take a, a drink. It's a it's a well, it's a uh, yeah. it's it's a crease that straightens itself out, right? Oh, it uncreases. Thank yeah. you, yeah. Marty. You're welcome, yeah. Marty. All right. Although so not a are... word in the article, but uh, sure, good, good cover, Marty. You could tell you've got military background. Good cover. <laughs> I'm just glad you you have the photo up of uh, me mm -hmm. uh, out there. But anyway, uh, there are a couple of different contributing factors that may be at play for this. One of them, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. because many people migrated out of the cities during the pandemic. They lightly began living in places that had much clearer skies where they were able to see a host of new stars and possibly wildlife. For those not used to nature, uh, it's easy to see how one could mistake a totally natural phenomenon for a UFO, according to CNET. Yeah. Other explanations could uh, include that people aren't uh, being allowed to do their normal hobbies. They might pick up new pastimes, uh, including stargazing. Uh, of course, they... Uh, uh, while they're spending all that time investigating the heavens, they're likely to see some things they've never mm -hmm. spotted before. Yeah. yeah. Like Plus. a newscast without any mistakes. Wow. Wow. Oh, probably, probably never going to cite that. You know, uh, we all do it. We all do it. Look at uh. <laughs> He's taking a sip. I'm just going to go ahead and, yeah, I'm going to get ahead yeah. of myself here. Uh, with so, yeah. Plus. Preliminary. Plus, you say. Yeah. Plus, more people might be mm -hmm. deliberately searching for UFOs. Who knows? That could be their new hobby, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they've been in the news a lot lately as the Pentagon mm -hmm. revealed some videos of UFOs that were uh, previously kept under lock and key. That means that mm -hmm. more sightings overall mimicking a spike in alien visitation. So really a spike wow. in alien visitation, you say? Yeah, my uh, shirt matches my background. I don't know if you noticed that. I, That's a random I, ADHD uh, moment with Greg. Yeah, Thanks well, for you know, throwing that just, in. Maybe if you'd focus more on the reading and less on the shirt. Ah, ah that hurt me that, too. Ah, that even hurt me. Hey, I don't know, Marty. But, if you got the uh, the memo, we kind of dress up on the show. We're uh, we're newscast. Hey, listen here, man. That Luke's is a shirt right there. Yeah, yeah. What are you? You're, you're showing the side with nothing on it. It's about respecting yeah, your. There uh, we go. You know, the people that you spend time with, you know. That is true. All right, let's get to it. There's big news in the world of NASA. A NASA UFO panel convenes to study unclassified sightings. 
A first-of-its-kind panel organized by NASA opened a study on Monday of what the government calls unidentified aerial phenomena, commonly termed UFOs, bringing together experts from scientific fields ranging from physics to astrobiology. The 16-member panel convened with very little fanfare. They're going to focus its inquiry entirely on unclassified sightings and other data collected from civilian government and commercial sectors, according to NASA. The team's inquiry is separate from a newly formalized Pentagon-based investigation of unidentified aerial phenomena, or as they're now calling them, UAPs, reported by military aviators and analyzed by U.S. defense and intelligence officials. The parallel NASA and Pentagon efforts highlight a turning point for the U.S. government after spending decades deflecting, debunking, and discrediting observations of unidentified flying objects or UFOs dating back to the 1940s. The term UFOs, long associated with notions of flying saucers and alien spacecraft, has been replaced in official government parlance by the term UAP. Yeah, that makes it so much better. You down with UAP? Yeah, you You know know me. me. Who's down with UAP? Yeah, you know me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Announcing the formation of its panel in June, NASA said there is no evidence UAPs are extraterrestrial in origin. A Pentagon report issued a a year earlier found insufficient data to determine the nature of more than 140 credible sightings documented by military observers since 2004. Think about that, guys. 140 sightings that they cannot make sense of. And Mm. that's from Navy personnel. Senior Mm. defense and intelligence officers and officials testified (laughs) before Congress five months ago. What? Uh, he said, our, it, he said it our, right. He our, said it. Our, officers and officials. Yeah, that's officers. Our officers. Yeah, yeah. I'm mm. from the south. Um, the senior defense and intelligence officers uh, and officials testified before Congress five months ago that the list of catalog UAP sightings had grown to 400, but many remain beyond explanation, either as advanced early technologies, atmospherics, or something alien. Among them are, yeah, among them are video released by the Pentagon of enigmatic airborne objects exhibiting speed and maneuverability exceeding known aviation technology and lacking any visible means of propulsion or flight control surfaces. NASA said its panel would spend nine months devising its own strategy for how to organize and uh, study these sightings before recommending a roadmap of potential UAP data analysis by the agency going forward. Its first report is said to be made public in the middle of next year, 2023. Understanding the data we have surrounding unidentified aerial phenomena is critical to helping us draw scientific conclusions about what's happening in our skies, said Thomas Zerberchen, associate NASA administrator. Data is the language of scientists and makes the unexplainable explainable. The panel is chaired by David Spurgle, or Spurgel, who formerly headed Prince's, uh, not Prince's University. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Prince University. Spurgle. I like Spurgle best. Spurgle, Spurgle, uh, who formerly headed Prince's (laughs) University (laughs) Astrophysics Department. Other members include Anna Maria Beria, 
a research affiliate at the Search for Intelligence Life uh, yeah. Institute in Mountain View, California, retired NASA astronaut and test pilot Scott Kelly, University of Rhode Island biological oceanographer Paula Buntempi, and University of California at San Diego astrophysicist Shelley Wright. So that's what's going on in the world of UFOs. We're examining Thank you. the skies. Thank you so much for not giving me that uh, that story. Oh, trust I me. Just wanna... As I look at stories that have big words, I think, hmm, hmm. I'll take Thank that you. one. Double syllable, and I ain't going to Greg. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I like it. All right, uh, Colonel. Yes, sir. Uh, Orificer. Yeah, the Orificer. Uh, in a or orificer, yeah. yeah. A, yeah. Uh, a young 19-year-old girl by the Ooh. name of Helen Clevelinger, was staying as a guest at the hotel along with her uncle, William. She had just finished her first year at New York University. Did you, uh, are we just like forget the opening sentence so we don't even talk about that? Is that how we're rolling well, into this story? Yeah, what's going on? Because I feel like yeah. you just kind of stepped into the middle of a conversation without us, Marty. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, uh, I thought let it was me help friend, you. Uh, it is, but you, you like skip the whole intro that tells us where we're intro. at. It's just where like you're... At? Oh, it's a drag yeah, getting old, Mark. It gets, yeah. it gets to it gets into it later. Does it? It's well, just, looking it, at the looking at the actual news story, it gets to it right in the first line. Well, it does Marty, too. But I wanted yeah. to like build up the so artistic, uh -huh. yeah, creativity. Yeah, Greg, you know, yeah, little, Greg well. understands what I'm talking about here. Yeah, yeah but you're talking about a hotel nobody knows about quite yet. Well, yeah, let's uh, well, let's do this. Ready? Mystery. It's Everybody, a mystery. take a deep cleansing breath and a deep drink from your glass because oh, the Colonel is uh, off and running. Not even into it, the first it, sentence that he's already talks, off. It talks about the hotel, Ugh. but okay, I'll start from the beginning. That that's a very good place to start, <laughs> yeah. according to Maria from Sound of Music. Yeah. <laughs> ah, oh man! Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, here we go. Western North Carolina has its fair share of folklore and ghost stories, including a murderous tale in the heart of Asheville. There we go. The story begins 86 years ago as the new Battery Park Hotel. Oh, there we go. Now that's an introduction oh, to a story. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A young 19-year-old girl by the name of Helen Clevenger was staying at a ghost at as a guest at the hotel. Oh, along oh, with her uncle. It is about ghosts. So let's let's yeah, yeah. keep Words it within is hard. the theme. I get it. She had just finished her first year of New York University, and her parents wanted her to come to North Carolina to visit her uncles her uncles and network they were both professors at New North Carolina State <laughs> University <laughs> come on now that's all folks when her uncle william called on her for breakfast on the morning of july 17th 1936 that's the no need for the 86 years ago part but July 17th, 1936, uh -huh. he was wet with he was met with nothing but an airy silence coming from her room. Mm -hmm. When he, along with the hotel security, could finally enter the room, they found Clevenger dead inside. Oh yeah. There was a raging storm the night before, so no <laughs> one heard much of the disturbance. Police began their investigation immediately, but quickly ran into a dead end as many guests had mm. checked out and had even left the state. Mm. There she is. Yeah. Yeah. That's True her. crime magazines were all the rage at the time. The story of Clevenger's murder traveled across the country and the globe. The hotel began to hemorrhage money after it had 
dubbed the Murder Hotel. Murder Hotel. Mm. Yeah. Again, thus, yeah. reference to the hotel. <laughs> but in a, in, a, in a referencing way that we can follow. Yeah, Mark. okay. Just... All right. Uh, okay, I got it. Uh-huh. Okay, you're with it. I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> Pressure is mounting on local authorities when suddenly a man... Wait, wait, wait. Court, wait, look at Courtney Williams' comment. I'm limited on whiskey tonight, so I'm going to need Marty to get it together. <laughs> Oh, Courtney. Oh, Courtney. It's going to be a rough night for you. Yeah, you you do need to go get some more whiskey, though, because it's going to be one of those types. You can push through, Marty. I got it. You got it. All right. right. Okay. Here we go. Pressure was mounting on local authorities, Dave, when suddenly Mm -hmm. a man came forward, a 19-year-old bellhop by the name of Martin Moore, confessed to the crime. Mm -hmm. After a speedy trial, Moore was executed in Riley gas chamber. Yeah, Got a way to bring the story down. There you go. Wow. Tad McDermott. (laughs) Tad McDermott. Pregnant pauses are killing me. Who's Tad Tad McDermott? Yeah. I'm about to explain there, Greg. Asheville tour guide said Glevinger's murder had 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 a lasting effect on the region. Over the years, there have been a number of reported paranormal phenomena about the hotel, he said, probably the most well-known happens in her room. Right around the anniversary of her death, about mid-July, the window to her room will light up with an interior red inner glow. Now, what mm-hmm. makes this particularly strange is that because most of the residents and management know about the story, they don't even rent out her room. Ah. Yeah. McDevitt said there has been a second strange ph- phenomena reported at the Battery Park Apartments. There's mm. a service elevator that will run by itself up and down in the middle of the night. They will complain mm. to management and management will send out a repair person. After an afternoon work afternoon working on the rogue elevator, they'll declare nothing is wrong with it. But sure mm-hmm. enough, in the middle of the night, the residents will hear the elevator going up and down again. Turns out mm-hmm. Martin Moore used to operate that elevator for guests as a bellhop employee, uh, McDevitt said. Yeah, no. I'm thinking. Whew. Wow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Melina Crane says, it's morning where I am, but I still manage to somehow get vicariously drunk during these news sessions. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, at oh, least we God. can bring some form of drunkenness yeah, or happiness yeah. to people yeah fred says slowly but surely marty please stop calling me Shirley." yeah <laughs> it's, it's all good okay uh interesting interesting story i think <laughs> Lost yeah, that was a, actually a that's a really good through. story yeah we should yeah. actually go out and check that place out I'd be, why don't uh, we that that, actually let's do that why don't we do a paranormal 60 there well the thing is though uh yeah they don't oh wait there's more no well maybe not to you but we have Folsom power that guy what? seems to have ability oh, to get us in. He's, yeah. got, he's a he's a a Delta Diamond. Huh? You know, if, if the three of us pooled our money together, mm-hmm. we still wouldn't have a quarter of what Folsom's got in the crypt. That yeah. dropping we could just of buy our metal, way in, dropping a two dots on him. Yeah, that dropping of that metal credit card does the trick every Gee. time. Kugat, yeah. I think I meant to say. Krugeran, not Kugat. Xavier Kugat is not uh, a good oh, one. Hey, let's do this. We've got, uh, we, we've got uh, some, I got another story to share. Let me let me pull it up here. Really? Uh, yeah, I do. It's a video. You got uh, a story? See if I can get the, it's, a, it's an Irish ghost story. 
from oh, Hitler's bar before we go to, to a quick commercial break. Let's uh, let's take a listen to this charming gentleman. All right, very cool. So we are where? We are now in the dungeon uh, subterranean level of Hitler's Inn. All right. And why is this such a famous haunted location? Okay, so this building is 700 years old, even, even, even older. But it's most famous for its previous owner. Uh, Dame Alice Le Kittler. And Dame Alice was the uh, daughter of a wealthy banker. Now we say banker, money lender was probably more the term that we, we would have used. So uh, lots of money, lots of land, but lots of enemies. She was a woman of power, prestige in Kilkenny, and a lot of the community would have looked to her, especially the pagan community. Uh, this building go, would have gone all the way back to the river. Uh, it would have had two wells. It had a bit of farmland. It had a boat slip. So she was very well to do in the area. She lived here with a, her uh, her maid, uh, Petronella de Meath, uh, a couple of servants, but mainly a kind of a number of people that uh, were part of her following, and what would later become just be called her coven. But uh, Alice was most uh, famous for having four husbands that all died very mysteriously. Uh, it later turned out that they were all uh, poisoned or suffered from some sort of arsenic poisoning. Three of them died and the fourth got very, very ill before he passed away and accused Alice of poisoning uh, him. So his children from a previous marriage went to the local bishop, Bishop Ledred, uh, here at St. Canis's Cathedral, and they uh, put forward their case that their father was being poisoned by Alice. She's done it before, she's doing it again. You don't need to be CSI Miami to put together the, the motive, like it was poison, it was done by a lady, and there was three dead husbands already gone before. So they were like, this is open and shut. But Bishop Ledred had ulterior motives. He was the Archbishop here in Kilkenny and he was trying to push Christianity on the people. He was trying to stamp out paganism, but he also uh, wanted to stamp out Alice Kittler, who was very powerful at the time. So what he did is he scapegoated her. He accused her of witchcraft, of heresy and of, of murder. He also put up some other charges to her as well. Uh, he accused her of controlling the local people with potions. He uh, accused her of uh, fornicating with uh, a demon uh, called Art. And Alice was always seen with a cat at the time by her side, and that cat was known as Art. A shape-shifting demon that would transform into, into her, uh, I believe it's called a familiar. Mm -hmm. So uh, usually when I have to explain this to people, I'm like, have you ever seen Sabrina's a Teenage Witch? And you have Salem the cat? Well, this is the, the same thing. That's where that came from. That's the, the, the witch had a cat and Bishop Ledred played on this to the people. So Ledred uh, also accused uh, Alice of collecting uh, ne uh, nefarious artifacts to use in potions like the skull of a robber from uh, that had been hung at the crossroads. Uh, also collecting the, the shoes of um, unbaptized children and using these um, to create potions. A lot of a lot of what we call now probably fake news, but he, he played the game well and he really, really uh, spoke his mind and he wanted Alice gone. Alice got wind of this 
and fled. She was like, I'm not having any of it. And she was fled. She was never seen again. Some say that she went to England. Some say she went to the caves in Dunmore outside of uh, Kilkenny. But what she left behind was her uh, coven, her maid, uh, Petronella Meat, who was her champion, who uh, supported her all the way along. Ledred put it to some of the people that lived here, said, look, if you repent, if you uh, admit what you've done wrong, accept Christianity and repent, then you'll be let off. So uh, one of the followers said, yeah, I repent. And he was asked uh, uh, to uh, submit uh, uh, money, obviously, because that was a great way of getting into heaven. But also he was to say, uh, go to mass uh, every day for a year. He was to visit the Holy Land and he was to fix the roof of the, the local church. So that was his penance. Petronella de Meath wasn't so forgiving and she refused to give in so she was tortured and she was burnt alive at the stake here in Kilkenny that was the 3rd of November 1324 and that's the story of Alice and Petronella so every November it's coming up in November now and of course we're coming to the end of October which is Halloween which is a very very spooky time for Hitler's a lot of uh, weird things happen we often have lots of going on here but one of the things uh, that we like to do to honour Petronella is that we have her as employee of the month for November because she has made the ultimate sacrifice for Hitler's and, and the house. So we very much respect that. So that is the story of Alice. That's the story of Petronella. And that's uh, my, my perspective and, and our takeaway because I have to be very, we have to be very respectful of the people that went before us here in, in the house because otherwise bad things happen. And just to give you a little example about how that happened, we uh, opened a bar here uh, upstairs on the top floor. We converted it and we called it Alice's Bar. We thought we were honouring her, we thought we were honouring Alice, but uh, we opened it on the 15th of November uh, 2020. And that very same day, we, our country went into lockdown and that was the start of the covid uh, outbreak. So, Wait, so it's your fault the world got COVID? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an awful coincidence. Yeah. So that's the story. So we're all we have to be very, very respectful and very mindful. Um, my mother has often come up and down here and come across locked doors that should never be locked, uh, been trapped through places that she should never be trapped in. You know, and it's a very, very spooky place. I grew up here when I was. I lived here till I was about four and we lived on the top floor and the kitchen used to be down here and we used to have to come down the four flights of stairs and through this tavern through this cave this dungeon to get our rice krispies and you've never seen a four-year-old move faster than you have going through this dungeon i'll tell you that yeah so that's the story um, of uh Kittler's Inn. so there you go the story of Kittler's Inn. Amazing drinks, good people, great place. If you have a chance, stop into Kittler's Inn. Tell them you, you met up with Dave and we had a good uh, good conversation. I've got emails, guys. I've got emails to read. Uh, I'll do one before we go to break. Let's do that now if you guys uh, are, are okay with that. Sure. All of emails. Love them. Hi, Dave, Marty, Greg, and Eric. I really enjoy the show. Please keep up the good work. I've had so many experiences with my pets coming back to visit. I've decided that they all make appearances now and then. 
Usually I just get a glimpse of one extra cat butt going around a corner in my house, or I hear a ghostly dog lay down in her favorite spot. I'd like to share one powerful experience, though. Years ago, I had a 13-year-old Alaskan Malamute that suddenly went down and was no longer able to stand up. I made the heart-wrenching decision that it was time to let her go. Her doggy husband had passed several years earlier from cancer, and I comforted myself imagining that they could play together again. I loaded my poor old girl in the car, went to the vet, and held her paw as she passed, and then bawled like a baby all the way home. As I came around the bend toward home, I saw dogs loose in the front yard. I roared into the driveway, thinking I had a big problem, then screeched to a halt as I realized she had beaten me home and was with her mate, playing together again. They stopped, looked at me, and were gone. Twenty years later, and I'm still crying as I write this, thanks for letting me share, and that comes from Betty from Oregon. Thank That's you, awesome. Betty. Betty. That's yeah. a great that story. Is, yeah, that is. I love I love little tales like that. All right, stay tuned. We will be back. We've got uh, we've got more to share. We've got more news and more of your emails and a brand new paratune. Sunspot is back, and they've brought us a state of decay. That's coming up next, right here on the Paranormal Sixty. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if? Say you had an extra hour in your day. Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better. Help, H E L P dot com slash P sixty. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp dot com slash P sixty. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Paranormal parole has been revoked. We're going back behind bars at the old Joliet State Prison. And now that I'm seeing the dates of this, I think I definitely misnamed this event may 5th and 6th we should have called it the clinko de mayo event we're going to be out in chicago at the joliet state prison doing two days of investigations there are only 10 of the two-day vip tickets still available there are individual day tickets still out there if you are interested check out darknessevents.com that's darkness events 
Dot.com and make sure to join me and Shane Pittman as we return to one of the most haunted hotspots I've ever been in my life. I'm looking forward to returning and I hope we get a chance to meet you there. Ladies and gentlemen, back with me now, the paranormal detective and the colonel. Chachi has the night off. All right, guys, uh, we've got some uh, got some more emails here. <clears throat> Let me clear out my tool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hi, Dave. And team, you guys are team. I like that. I've been a listener for a long time, and I've been wanting to send you a description of some of my crazy paranormal experiences that I've seen in my life. It seems tonight I've had just the right amount of beers to finally do just that. Good deal. I've seen a lot of incredible strangeness in my life, but this was really next level, and I wanted to get your take on what I saw and experienced. It was 1997, and I had been living in what was the very first house my parents ever bought three years prior. The first time I set foot in that house, I was, for some reason, frightened. I remember being scared to take off my shirt when I was getting changed, or when I put shampoo in my hair in the shower because I'd be blinded for a second. And for some reason, I thought I might open my eyes to see something that didn't belong. At that point, me and my mother had been having these horrible demonic dreams, sleep paralysis, and waking with these odd pin needle scratch marks on our body, and a lot of times in places that we could not reach ourselves to scratch. I was on the phone with a lady friend when I started to hear things knock over in our garage. I was home alone, and my parents and siblings were here with them. I told the girl I'd call her back because I assumed a frog had wandered into the garage when the door was open. What the hell-sized frog is frog. in there? It's a giant. Have you ever seen that hell movie? of a frog. Yeah. Movie Frogs? Yeah. They'll freaking swallow you, dude. It's a mm. Kermit? Oh, hey, just looking for a paint bucket. Wow. All right. Here we go. Mm. I hopped in, wondering if they had uh, left the door open earlier. Maybe the frog got in there. It had happened before I opened the door between our laundry room and the garage to see a large and beautiful ball of light about arm's length from my head staring back at me. It was the size of a volleyball and almost looked special effects like, but it was real. I looked at it for 10 seconds and then it went warp speed straight ahead through our closed garage door. It had a trail of light that followed behind it, like when the Enterprise and Star Trek would warp away nerd check i got to, <laughs> i got the impression that it didn't expect me to see it like i surprised it i freaked out i called back my friend and told her what i had just saw she said her mother knew a lot about this kind of thing and put me on the phone with her she told me to make sure every door between me and that room was closed and locked but that made zero sense to me i did it anyway mm. that thing zoomed through my closed garage door like nothing After knocking stuff over, doors are not a weakness, but I did like she said. My parents finally got home that night, and I couldn't wait to tell my mother. We always talked about our day before bed while she had her last cigarette. I decided I'd tell her about it then. As we both walked to the garage, my mother asked why the doors were locked between it and the garage. I told her I'd explain in a minute. As we stepped foot into the garage, an overwhelming sadness filled myself and my mother. Without saying a word, we both began to sob for seemingly no reason. We both left the garage and stepped back into the laundry room, and instantly the feeling left us. I told my mother then about what I had saw earlier that day and wondered if it was connected to what just happened. 
my mother had a spiritual warfare book that uh, she had just read and left to go get it. While she was gone, I tried stepping back into the garage and noticed that the sadness came rushing back. She returned with the book and recited a prayer within the book. After the prayer, the sadness and dread, it seemed to just lift. It, It was gone. Dave, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen or experienced. And that comes from Mike Filikoski. Mm. Interesting right. that a giant ball of light is the weirdest thing, yet a frog big enough to knock things over was not the weirdest <laughs> thing. Well, you know, they're big in that part of the country. Is it? Big frog, man. Drunk yeah. frogs? Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they got the, the frogs for the movie frogs. They're big. Big frog. Uh, special yeah. effects department. Yeah, it's called focusing a little closer on the small yeah. frog to make it look big, Greg. Oh, look at that perspective from the colonel. Mm-hmm. Speaking of perspective, hey, news crew, this memory has always been with me, and I've only told those that I know won't think I'm crazy. At this point, as a six-year-old, I had never been to church and didn't know what ghosts or fear was. As a six-year-old in 1972, not having a care in the world, Key West, Florida, swinging on the new swings that were put in behind the house. Mom could see me from the kitchen. Bright blue sky, big fluffy white clouds, swinging as high as I could, my little self just singing away to the beautiful sky. Felt like I was being watched as I slowed the swing, looking around. I spot someone by the back of my babysitter's house near her tree to my right, my house directly in front of me. I kept slowing the swing, sneaking peeks to see if he was still there, and he was. I get swing to stop full, and I start twisting it side to side so I could get better looks, and he was still there. I was fearless. I still am. So I get off the swing and headed towards him. He had shoulder-length hair, beachy-type clothes, and sandals on. Michael Myers on vacation, apparently. Mm -hmm. I could see him from head to toe and see through him. I continued my approach. He held out his hand, and I stood still for a few seconds, looking from his hand to his face. And that's when he smiled. I reached out to touch his hand, and as soon as my fingers were about to, poof, he disappeared. I looked around. He was gone. I headed back to my house, came in the back door, and remembered my mom asking me if I was done. And all I could say was yes. And I never told her about that experience. Over the years, I've had lots of experiences. And that comes from Dana Hicks. Dana, we want to hear more of your experiences. And all of you listening, we want to hear your experiences. Email me and the Paranormal 60 News crew at dave at paranormal60.com. That's dave at paranormal60.com. Or make a little video of yourself telling us a story, and we'll play it on an episode. We like doing that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's it. What do you mean it's better? Better than me reading it, Greg? Without fumbling or stumbling? You think so? Wow, wow, wow. Okay, awkward moment, but let's uh, continue. <laughs> yeah, let's do this, though, guys, because it's one of my yeah. favorite times of yeah, the show. Yeah, let's do this. It's time now for Paratunes. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, for the holiday season, our friends at Sunspot sent us a new song. Please sit back and enjoy State of Decay. I love it. Another 
man. I love those yeah. guys. I love those guys. Every one of their songs is really good. They're, did you see yeah. them live over in Michigan? McParacon? Oh, yeah. They're good. Yeah, many times. Yeah. 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 The Michigan Paracon, they make their way out there. Go on out and see them. Check out Sunspot online. Go check out their YouTube channel. They're always uh, willing to share a new tune with us. And if you are a musician and you've created a haunting melody, a tune for us, we like ones with lyrics, stories, creepy tales to be told in musical fashion. Send them our way because we'll play them on an upcoming episode. So. I hope that's the case. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get back to it. We've got a couple more news stories, a couple more emails. I'm trying to separate them up. Greg, hey, Greg, you've got a saucy, saucy story to share with us. I do, don't I? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I do have a saucy I just, story. I, I saucy. just said that. Yeah, you've yeah. got a saucy story. Very yeah. saucy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The View host Joy Behar mm. makes a shocking claim about being intimate with ghosts. Oh, Mm. had no words. Jaws dropped during the view when Joey Behar made (laughs) (laughs) make it saucy. Yeah. Uh, So during a conversation with the comedian's fellow panelists regarding a woman who allegedly had sexual ghosts in her home, Behar revealed that she has had sex with ghosts in the past. Yeah. Co-host Sarah uh, begged the question, if you have sex with a ghost, can you get pregnant? To which Behar shockingly responded, I've had sex with a few ghosts and I've never got pregnant. Yeah, that's what she said. Hmm. With Goldberg quickly shut uh, uh, down her colleague's comment stating, I'm just going to let that ride. As the other co-hosts began to laugh. Uh, I don't know how many of you heard what Joy said, but I'm going to let that ride, she continued, as Behar shooed her comment away with a motion of her hand. Hmm. was not revisited or pressed further. Yeah, that's why I watched The View. Good for you. That's a good show. Yeah. And Dave has his mic off. Yeah, for I keep is. coughing. I can't figure this tickle in the back of my throat. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so... I, I you normally I would drink whiskey. My daughter's dumbass friends broke into our house last week and stole my whiskey. No, oh, yes. that's wrong. Uh huh. Wrong. Yeah. That's One word for that is wrong. Yeah, especially because yeah. there's vodka right there. They could have taken my vodka. No, they take my screwball whiskey. I just I have no words. Yeah. So I'm I'm I, but now I'm drinking a little. I'm drinking a little what we like to call rum. Ooh, a little yes. bit of the shrunken head rum, Brian. And rum, that that shrunken head rum is actually pretty good. Very, very good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get back to it. I've got a story to kind of follow that up. A saucy story. This was an Eric story, but when he saucy. told me he couldn't be on because of his flight delays, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I decided I'd, I'd pick up the sauciness for him. So Did I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to work video and uh, pictures here as we do as we go in. All right, <clears throat> here we go. And this is in this is Texas, guys. I don't is know this if you've heard Joy about this. Joy Behar? No, no, that story's uh, over. Done. Yeah. yeah. At this haunted North Texas house, the ghosts will freak you out all night long. No one would confuse a small house on Denton Street in Gainesville for a moving company. But if you do move in, you haul yourself right back out. And mighty quick, according to this article. Hmm. It's like a revolving door, said Linda Hill, the homeowners. The longest anyone has stayed in this house 
how how long do you think, guys? How long do you think is the longest anybody stayed in this haunted house? One day. One day, Dave. One day. Mm, one day. All right. Greg? I'd, ha- I'd have to think about that one. No. Wait, the, the question's wait, right now. 57 yeah. minutes uh, into the show here. Yeah. Tw- Come on. Time here. Tw- 12 days. No, six months is the longest oh, anybody's managed uh, to stay uh, in this uh, creepy it, it wasn't that wrong bad picture. Then. Yeah, no. It wasn't that uh, bad. Pretty bad, though. Yeah, she that said is. the longest anybody stayed in that house is six months. Well, years ago, Hill and her husband bought several homes in the same neighborhood in order to rent them out. The one on Denton Street was the only one they couldn't keep a stable tenant in. Hill said she and her husband had no idea why. Then, finally, after 10 tenants moved out in less than two years, someone told her husband the house was haunted. At Mm. first, Hill didn't believe it. No, she said no, not at all. That changed when she happened to take a shower on the property. Uh. Through the curtain, she saw, then heard a dark figure whisper, looking good. At first, she assumed it was her husband. Until a few seconds later, when her husband walked in the bathroom, he said, who are you talking to? Hill recalled. And it was like, oh, my God, this place really is haunted. <laughs> yeah. Rumor has it the house built in the 1840s used to be a bordello. That's yeah, why Hill said many of the ghosts here tend to reveal themselves in a particular nature. Sexual, she said. There's no other way to put it. Hill has said several people have recorded EVPs. That's electronic voice phenomena where the ghosts can be heard talking dirty in the house. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Hill said mimicking what has been heard. Yeah. I like it like that. Wow. (laughs) Not all the ghosts here are that way though. There's a door in the upstairs bathroom. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah door in the upstairs bathroom nice to have a door in the bathroom yeah that regularly opens even after it's been shut tight oh and there's a 19 foot well underneath the living room some people believe it's a spiritual portal which they have said may explain how so many different ghosts and spirits have ended up in the house and particularly in the room right next door to that well the murder room hill said that's what they call it why that name because some psychics claim to have seen a dead man dead man (laughs) apparently channeling my texas accent i I saw a dead man i was running yeah no really almost every psychic that walks in here hill said for those reasons and many more hill eventually gave up on finding tenants to lease the property now she rents the house out exclusively to people who want to investigate the ghosts that reportedly live there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. That was a good one. Uh, Thanks. That is a good one. I've never, that's a good picture of the house too. Yeah, that was a good picture of the house. All right. uh, Martin, Martin, yes, we have our last official news story, and then we have a couple more quickie. Yeah, I think some people Uh, are going to be interested in this one. Yeah. Are they? All right, let's hear it. Well, you know, Tim Burton has uh, given off some uh, cryptic updates to a potential Beetlejuice 2. Beetlejuice director Tim Burton has finally hinted if Beetlejuice 2 will have a future or not. The original horror comedy uh, made out of a budget of a mere $15 million was both critically acclaimed and a commercial hit, evident in the fact that it 
went on to gross $74.2 million on top of the box office film, Best Makeup and Best Supporting Actress. Um, Excuse me. On top of the box office. Yeah, I just cut a whole sentences are so unneeded in some cases. (laughs) (laughs) On top of the box office hall, Beatle just brought home the Oscar for Best Makeup and three Saturn Awards for Best Horror Film. Best Makeup and Best Supporting Actress. The supernatural comedy horror stars Batman fame Michael Keaton, Stranger Things star mom Wiona Wiona Ryder, Alec Baldwin. Wait, who? Wiona. Wiona. Winona. Winona. Wiona. New to this country? Hey. Wiona Ryder. And Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, According mm -hmm, to a recent mm -hmm. report by Deadline, (laughs) Burton has offered a cryptic update on the long-awaited Beetlejuice 2 while giving a Uh, mm non-answer and backtracking from a statement he earlier made about his non-involvement in a reboot. Burton reportedly hinted at redeveloping the cult classic, saying, nothing is out of the question. See what Burton shared below. I only know if I'm making a film when I'm actually on the set shooting. Yeah, right. I try to go back to the root of the everything. It springs from a seed and then it grows rather than out of these statements. I am working on ideas and things, but it's all very early, the early days. We'll see how it goes. So how's that for a non-answer? That's good. And I like that, huh? The rumor of a follow-up of the fan favorite mm-hmm. Beetlejuice is something that has been doing the rounds for what seems like forever. It goes back to the early 1990s when, after the initial success of Beetlejuice, one of the first scripts that was floated. Marty, are you going to say it three times? You're going to call him if you keep saying his name. Jesus. I know. Almost there. One more time, right? Ah, yeah. Well, the original uh, script that was floated for the sequel was called Beetlejuice Goes to Hawaii. Beetle just goes Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he goes Hawaiian. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a good weekend trip. at Beetlejuice. That's yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Two Beetlejuices <laughs> and a baby. Okay, yeah, great, good, Greg. Thank you. In the scrap project, the original family moves to an island in Hawaii for developing a resort, but runs into problems that only Beetlejuice could save them from. Despite, oh, yep, there you go. Despite all the Burton's previous teases, this Hawaiian script never saw the light of day. Well, Keaton and Ryder may reprise their Beetlejuice roles in the sequel to be produced by Brad Pitt's Plan B, its plot line is still seemingly in the making. The news of Beetlejuice 2 being in the works from Burton likely does not come as a surprise, but rather as an assurance for fans for the original movie. Whatever the timeline or the time frame of this completion, whatever the time frame of this completion be, uh, with yeah, let's just, yeah, just throw the story to the ground at this point, Marty, yeah. and stomp on it. With Burton just, potentially at the oh, sure. there you go. Go. There's there's some words missing in this. With Burton yeah. potentially at the helm of one of the most anticipated projects, the wait should prove tr- tricky. <laughs> like like reading the story. Forget that kind of it. Tricky. Yeah, it's yeah, they over. need so uh, too. Yeah, I've been reporting yeah. that story for the last seventeen years, and it never happens. That's never right. happens. Well, oh, the Hawaiian thing, man. If they're not going to bite on that, no, what, Beetlejuice what goes do? Hawaiian. 
Yeah, exactly. Is he going to run up against the Brady kids or something? <laughs> exactly. Don't touch that rock. Okay. All right. Our final two emails oh, of the evening. And uh, let me remind everybody, you want to be here with us on uh, on Monday because yeah. it is Halloween and we're yeah. going to have scary story time uh, with our Neil's one of my story. favorite guests, Neil's story, Neil's one of the best storytellers awesome. and researchers awesome. out there. Fantastic. English. Aha. Very great <laughs> accent. He's amazing. Yes, he is. <clears throat> All right. Hey, guys, my best friend in high school lived in a haunted house. This house was an old farmhouse built in the 1800s. It sat in the middle of farmlands, which had once been part of the property, but were sold off long ago. There were at least three spirits, the family said. One was a little child who they could hear running up and down the main staircase, and who would sometimes let you feel them at about knee level. Not Neil level. Neil level. I guess uh, even reading emails is tough. There you go, Marty. Mm -hmm. I felt this myself while going upstairs to my friend's room once. I looked down because I thought one of the family's dogs had brushed against the leg of my jeans, but there was no dog in sight. I also heard the footsteps on more than one occasion. Then spending the night, they never came down the hallway and you wouldn't always hear both up and down, but they were very audible, light, fast-paced footsteps. Another spirit was outside. This was an old farmer in a straw hat and overalls. He was obviously not an original owner of the house, and his clothes were much too recent, but he definitely had a connection to the land. It was more of a residual haunting, as he would never interact with anyone or respond to them, and all he did was walk around the property as if he had a purpose. The main spirit, well, that was the most active. It seemed to prefer the kitchen as this is where most of the obvious activity took place. Cabinet doors would open. The faucet would turn on by itself. The door to the back staircase, the servant stairs, would open and close on its own. The hardest one to rationalize away was that pots and pans would, well, simply be put on the floor. In the next room, you wouldn't hear any clanging, no clattering, no sliding of metal on wood. You wouldn't even hear the cabinets open. You'd go into the kitchen and they'd just be there, laid out in a line. Yeah, that's creepy. The only thing was you couldn't talk about that particular spirit. You could talk about the others and nothing weird would happen. But if you talked about the kitchen spirit, the lights would flicker in the room you were in nowhere else in the house. My friend let me know that if you keep talking about it, sometimes the activity would get worse and things would fall off the walls or shelves. I did witness the lights flickering on more than one occasion while I was there and asking what the ghosts had been up to. My friend's mother got so mad at me once she told me I could either stop asking or just stop coming over. Sadly. Wow. The family That's was brutal. impoverished and couldn't keep the house in good repair. They sold the house and it was torn down shortly after. It's now a housing development. I can't imagine what became of the two house spirits, but I bet some homeowner there knows. And the old farmer, he has to still be there wandering someone's yard, doesn't he? And that comes from Basha. Mm-mm. Thank you, Basha. Good, I think so. good story. Yeah. Our like final it. tale of terror this evening. Mm. Hi, Dave and News Crew. Hi. Happy October. Thanks. I was born in 1985, the year you graduated high school, Dave Schrader. However, my first 
memory comes about four years later. This story is a bit out there and I feel has always defined me in a way. It starts when I'm asleep and dreaming. The dream is more flashes of memory, scenes of moments. The only scene I can remember to this day is walking into a room with my grandma and seeing a large desk. These clips of memory end and I wake up. I'm suddenly confused. I don't know who I am or where I am. A group of entities appear in front of me. It's like they're shrouded in darkness. I can make out their shape, but nothing more. One of them says, your name is Robin. This is your home. I get out of bed and I walk to the bedroom door where I see a little girl standing in the living room of this home. I, I now think, who is she? Knowing the entities can hear me and feel comforted by their presence. They say, that is your sister, Mandy. I leave the room and go up to her. I, I ask her, did you wake up this morning not knowing who you were? She looked at me and replied, you're weird, and then ran off. Mm. The entities say, don't tell them. They're not ready. With full confidence and trust, I say, okay, and I run off at that point. I mean, I'm a four-year-old girl. This moment has always stayed with me, and I remember it like it was yesterday. When I was 12 years old, I was watching the Montel Williams show, and he had his favorite guest on, Sylvia Brown. <laughs> she brought up walk-in spirits and explained what they were. I remember feeling shock and thinking, that's me. I'm a walk-in spirit. I'm fairly new to podcasts and have deep dived into the paranormal shows as I have had plenty of paranormal experiences myself. I also thought myself special with all the paranormal that's happened to me. However, listening to these podcasts has made me realize there are plenty of us who experience the crazy and bizarre. However, I have yet to hear a story like mine. I did my post my story on Reddit. One person replied with a story similar to mine, waking up around four years old and forgetting their likes and dislikes, but had no issues remembering their family or who they were. I did mm. stumble upon a group that feels walk-in spirits mean multiple souls within one body, thus multiple personalities. This isn't me. I'm definitely one soul, one person. Therefore, I'm here writing to you in hopes that if you find this story interesting, you might put out a bat signal for others like me. There are so many people in this world and so many insane experiences. It helps me keep my hopes high. Thank you for the great show. It makes my day go by just a little easier. And that comes from Robin. Well, Robin, we've heard your plight. I'm throwing up the bat signal. So for any of you out there listening, if you've had an experience like Robin's, email it to me, dave at paranormal60.com. I'll forward it on to Robin, and I'll read it if you give me permission to do so right here on the program. Uh, that's it for tonight. Our news is done. Our emails are done. And Marty's ability to read oh, is done. Oh, come on yeah. now. Wow. He did, wow. he did good tonight, man. What are you talking about? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm do you, uh, should we review the tape? Should I throw the red flag and we'll, we'll oh, <laughs> gosh. we had, uh, I don't know if you guys remember his last story. I'm just saying, but I love you, Marty. You know, this Greg, you're all right too. Well, we miss you, Eric. And we hope that you're back with us soon in the fold. We'll be back here next week with more supernatural right. news and paranormal yeah. tales. Remember, join me back behind bars at the old Joliet state prison, May 5th and 6th, my special Prisoner liaison Shane Pittman will be there with me as we re-enter Joliet State Prison to face the spirits that await us there. And on Monday this week, 
come spend Halloween with Neil Story and I as oh, we yeah. share some creepy stories and amazing tales of supernatural wonder. That's all this Monday. Have a safe and happy weekend, my friends. We'll see you then right here on The Best in Paranormal. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Thank you.